as I got older, some people want to wear their wigs and that's what they're most comfortable doing. And like, that is okay too. Yeah. Um, and in, through those friendships and those relationships, I've had friends help me realize that as well, that there's a nuanced perspective on it and all of it's okay. It's just whatever you feel most comfortable doing. This is Alopecia Life with your host, Deanne Graham. You'll hear interviews with specialists in their field and parents who are helping their child move through life while living with alopecia areata, along with conversations with alopecia rock stars who are making a difference. Alopecia Life is here to provide you with support, accurate information, inspiring stories, and life hacks to help you navigate the world of hair loss. Whether you've just been diagnosed or have had it for ages, Alopecia Life has been created to share all the information you may want or need to do alopecia your way. Welcome to episode 29 of Alopecia Life. Today's guest is Kelsey Parker. She is a director of talent and development at Comedy Central. She was born and raised in Southwest Michigan to a college football coach and elementary art teacher to whom she credits her creativity and drive. After graduating with a degree in screenwriting from the University of Michigan, she moved to Los Angeles with aspirations to write, and everything went as planned until she was given an opportunity to shift from being a writer to helping others find success through development at Comedy Central. In this episode, Kelsey and I talk about timing with Alopecia and her career, how our upbringing can absolutely influence how we walk in the world and share alopecia in our community, and what having core friends can do for all of that. Kelsey, thank you so much for joining us on Alopecia Life today. Happy to be here. Thank you so much for having me. You bet. I would love to just kind of dive right in and talk about your alopecia story and kind of what you're up to. Yeah, sure. So I have alopecia totalis right now. I was like, I had to think about which one it is because <laughs> it's obviously kind of ebbed and flowed throughout my life and switched. Uh, so I was diagnosed in kindergarten. I was six years old. I remember my, my mom was doing my hair and I felt her like very cold finger press against my scalp. And it was a feeling I'd never really felt before. Um, and I was kind of like, oh, like I jumped and she was like, has someone been pulling your hair? Because obviously it was that very smooth spot, you know, it's associated with alopecia. And I was like, no, I don't think so. <laughs> you know, she was like, okay, we'll just, I'll keep an eye on it. And then it continued to grow and was about the size of a quarter and I was in the back of my head. And then another spot popped up on the left front side of my head. So then she took me to our family doctor who was like, I think this is alopecia, but you should go to a dermatologist to confirm it. And we did. Um, and I was diagnosed and at first I said areata, so it was just spots and then it continued to grow and grow and we tried kind of everything to cover it up. We did a lot of different like weave sew-ins. Um, I was using the steroid cream and I had like an oral steroid that I remember I hated taking because it was like a horse pill. <laughs> it was huge. And then by the time I was, I think seven or eight, I'm pretty sure like, yeah, second grade, I'd lost all of my hair, my eyelashes, eyebrows, everything was gone. I had a universalis. And so then I was fitted for a wig and wore a wig until I was 13. And then I think it was summer 2001 or 2002, whenever the NAF conference was in Oakland, for some reason that summer just like changed it for me. I think it was a really good group of friends I had made there. I had friends, you know, from, I started going to the conference when I was seven. So mm-hmm. I had friends from over the years, but there was something about our group that summer that we just all kind of clicked. And I decided I didn't want to wear my wig anymore. 
And so when I went back to school that fall, my mom arranged for me to kind of speak to our school. We were, it was as a middle school. So I spoke to each class because it was from a small town. So about, you know, 100 to 200 kids in each class. Um, so I did sixth graders, seventh graders, and eighth graders separately in assemblies. And it kind of explained to them, I have alopecia. This is what alopecia is. My mom ordered all those cheesy but helpful pamphlets. <laughs> and we got like the old, there was like an old VHS tape <laughs> explaining what alopecia was to kids. So we had all of that stuff and kind of went through the process over the fall of explaining it to everyone that I wouldn't be wearing my wig anymore starting in the spring. And then in the spring, I, I stopped wearing it and I've just been walking around bald ever since. And <laughs> now I'm 31. So I guess it's been a huge part of my life, my identity and who I am. But I'm very comfortable with it. And I honestly think if I were to grow hair at this point, I, that would freak me out more than anything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I hear that so many times for sure. You went home and you were able to just kind of go, okay, this is who I am. And mm-hmm. it's kind of a big deal for a 13, 14 year old girl to stand in front of a school, no matter what. Were you pretty outgoing at that point or before that point? Yeah, I'd always been, I think, very outgoing. My parents, my mom was, uh, is, was my, <laughs> our elementary art teacher, and my dad was um, a special education principal at a boarding school, and he also coached college football in addition to that. And so my whole life, I think it was very, we were pushed to be creative and to like have creative solutions for problems because my dad's all about team building and leadership, and my mom's are super artistic, so that like creative drive was always there and behind me. And because of that, I, you know, I did local theater. I swam, I played soccer, I played rugby in college. And so in doing all those things, you kind of, it forced me to be outgoing. And I also realized like I wasn't as proactive and like I didn't attack as much on the field when I was wearing my wigs. I was so worried about it coming off, Mm -hmm. you know? And like when I was with my friends, especially because it was middle school, this is like 2002, I was very into like Good Charlotte and Simple Play and all these like punk pop bands and like thought I was being super edgy. And so like when I was hanging out with like my punk friends, I wouldn't wear my wig and they thought that was super cool. (laughs) And so I think that influenced a little bit of it too. But I remember my friend telling me, you just feel so much happier and so much more like yourself when you're not wearing your wig because I think I felt like I wasn't having to hide anything and I could just be 100% me and not worry about it. Because I think getting diagnosed with alopecia so young your parents do what they feel is best for you. So they just put me in a wig. I didn't really have a say or choice in the matter. And it wasn't like a bad thing, you know, they were just doing what they thought was best. And so that was just kind of always the way it was. And I think as I came into my own person in my adolescence, I just realized part of being who I am is not feeling limited by physical things. You know, my dad used to always tell me, because I obviously got picked on a ton just because I wore a wig and I talk the way I talk and I'm a black woman. And so my school is very racially diverse, but in the black community, hair is a big deal. Mm-hmm. And so there were a lot of situations where kids were like, why do you talk like a white girl? Why is your hair straight? Because we're in a straight wig. <laughs> and that was always kind of an issue. And I didn't really feel like I could fully be myself with my wig on. So I just decided to stop wearing it. Did you feel like the community was supportive? I mean, the black community was supportive of you when you stopped wearing your wig? Um... It depends. You know, like sometimes, yes, like my mom's friends and like, you know, the older the adults in my community, absolutely. But we're in middle school, so kids can be so vicious. You know, I remember being on the playground and these kids singing this chant to me that I still remember all the words like bald headed scatty whack. Your hair don't touch your back. Permit, weave it. You know you need it. And they would like sing that at me. 
which is really hurtful and painful. But then I also, my dad would always say, if someone doesn't want to be your friend just because you don't have hair, they don't deserve the friendship you have to offer. Right. And so that always really stuck with me. So I found the people who I felt like would lift me up and empower me to be the best version of myself and then just try to kind of ignore the other people. And it's really interesting now because given where I've gone in my life, my career, when I go back home, some of those kids that were the meanest to me, if I'm at a bar on Thanksgiving, are always the most interested in what I'm doing. <laughs> you know, I don't think, I think alopecia or otherwise, that sort of stuff would have been happening because those are just the kind of social dynamics of a playground or a community mm-hmm. when you're at that age. Yeah. So let's talk about your career and how you got involved in that. I mean, it sounds like you're very, like you, you talked about, you're very creative and are interested in that outlet. And so that led you to do what? Yeah. <laughs> so I, I um, went to school for screenwriting. I always thought I was going to be a writer. I've always been involved in the arts and loved it and performance. I was very obsessed with pop culture growing up all the time. And so I went to school for film and TV at the University of Michigan, majored in screenwriting, graduated, moved to Los Angeles, and assumed I was going to be a writer, which was the path, which was great. Um, I started working at Dick House Entertainment, which is the company that made Jackass. I was hanging out with the likes of Johnny Knoxville, Jeff Tremaine, Spike Jones, and they knew I wanted to be a writer, so they placed me on a show called Loiter Squad, which was Tyler, the creator, and Odd Future show on Adult Swim. It was a sketch show. And in working on that, it was really cool because I got to kind of be the liaison between the writer's room and Tyler. So we got to act, you know, the writer's assistants were helping to make sure, like, whatever notes we took in the room, whatever ideas that were and concepts were made in the room, we could take them back to Tyler and distill them down to the way he wanted them to be executed on screen. So it was really interesting. I got to meet a ton of cool comedians in that room and was kind of like, oh, I think I maybe like comedy more than I like drama. And I'd always written kind of dramedies in college. I graduated from school with two features under my belt. My first one was actually about a girl with alopecia. So that's kind of my inspiration was writing about my alopecia. So it was my first stepping stone, which was nice, but in getting out to LA and actually starting to work in it, I realized comedy kind of felt like a stronger path for me because though dramas and dramedies are really interesting and dynamic to write, they take a really big emotional toll on you. Mm-hmm. And I found that in writing about a woman with alopecia that it was just so hard to crack those characters in the way I wanted to. So after working on Loiter Squad, which was great, I would just PA, which is production assistant on shows like Ridiculousness on MTV, because Dick House, whenever they could, would just throw me work because it's mostly freelance when you're at that stage. And then one day they were like, oh, someone wants to meet with you. Um, we think you'd be good to be his assistant. And so I was like, all right. <laughs> I went sat in a room and Spike Jones came in, which was pretty crazy. Yeah. And then I got hired to be his assistant on the movie Her and on Bad Grandpa. So that was awesome because I got to work with the likes of Scarlett Johansson and Joaquin Phoenix on that movie. And it went on to win an Oscar, which was really interesting. But while I was working on it, I kind of realized writing wasn't necessarily the path I wanted to take. I saw that Megan Ellison, who runs Annapurna, which is the production company that produced Her, she was making such cool movies with just these amazing directors and allowing them to do their passion projects like David O. Russell and Bennett Miller um, and Spike. And so I was like, I kind of want to do what she does, but her dad's Larry Ellison and I don't have that kind of money. Um, so how do I find a way to help other people make the things they want to make and still kind of have a creative hand in it? And she was like, oh, you want to be a development executive? And I was like, what's a development executive? So I talked through that. And then I started to put out feelers to friends to be like, I want to work in development. 
if anyone can help me find, you know, a job and, you know, just part of the networking economy and gig economy, let me know. And my friend was like, there's a desk open at Comedy Central for the president, Kent Alterman, who runs development and original programming. I went up for the desk and I got it. And I've been at Comedy Central ever since. And now I'm a director of development. So I oversee the development of shows in our air, specifically animation and a couple of our live action scripted shows. And yeah, Oh, yeah, that's pretty. That's my job. <laughs> <laughs> that's incredible. And you're in LA right now, right? Yes, I'm based in Los Angeles. Awesome. As you're talking, I'm thinking about all the things that that could be pushback that you might have seen as someone living with alopecia. Did you experience that at all in the industry that you were in? Not really. I mean, I would get some comments of people being like, "Oh, you're so cool because you shaved your head," uh, which is a compliment, <laughs> but it was kind of annoying because people always made this assumption that I was bold enough to shave my head. And I was like, no, I, I'm just bald. And I just don't like wearing wigs because I think they're uncomfortable and I like to work out and, <laughs> and it, like, you know, and it was my ability to work out in the way I want to. And so like some comments like that, but beyond that, not really like everyone, especially because we're in a place like Los Angeles. So you're going to get all walks of life in a city like this, you know, coming from a really small town in Michigan to a place like LA I guess I don't stand out as much as I did back at home <laughs> growing up. Do you feel like when you go home, um, you still feel that a little bit though? Sometimes. It depends on where I'm at. If I'm in my small community of Albion, which is like, it was 12,000 people when I was growing up, probably closer to 8,000 now. Not really, because everyone knows me there. My parents, you know, they were teachers and they're super involved in the community still. So everyone kind of knows us, and knows who we are. Right. Um, but I do, sometimes people will come up to me if they don't know us very well and be like, oh, are you going through treatment? Or they assume I have cancer, which always sucks because I feel bad for people who do have cancer. I'm like, oh God, I don't, you know, I don't want to take away or from any of that. So that can be slightly frustrating. And people, I think in the Midwest are sometimes bold enough to just ask those questions. <laughs> uh, but I don't really experience that much in LA. Awesome. Tell me about your group of friends from that you met in, at NAF when you were seven years old. <laughs> Andrew and the Divas, that's our name. <laughs> <laughs> we still actually go by and talk. So a couple of them I've been friends with since I was really young. So Nicole Tassin and Madeline Hoover, we met at my very first conference, I think in DC in 1997. Mm-hmm. We'd always requested to be at the same table whenever we were at the NAF conference. And so when we elevated to the tween group, they mixed our table with a group of 13-year-olds and 12-year-olds. So we had a couple n- new folks come into our group, uh, which was great because then we got like Becky Hibbs, who was awesome, Jessica Beltran, who had just got diagnosed with alopecia, and like I think all of her hair fell out maybe on her 13th birthday. So of that group, I think there were six or seven girls and then one guy, Andrew, who's one of our good <laughs> friends as well. Um, and we all got very close. I don't know what it was about that summer, but we all got really, really tight. And we actually are all still friends, obviously, with the help of social media. We can connect mm-hmm. a lot. But I have a group text with Jessica, Madeline, and Nicole. We still talk pretty regularly. And, you know, we all were at Nicole's bachelorette party and Madeline's wedding. And Madeline is so awesome. And she's really active in the foster care community. Just has a really amazing, expanding family and has taken on like so many kids with such grace and so that's been really cool to watch and to watch her raise her family and Nicole got married recently so it's been really awesome to just be a part of each other's lives and see how we've grown and what we've done and just you know bringing new folks into our lives you know also when at Madeline's wedding when they were exchanging her vows her and her husband Derek instead of saying 
day in sickness and in health, Derek said with or without hair. And so obviously all the alopecia girls lost it. (laughs) Um, But it's been great. Like Madeline's best friend from childhood, Ethan, actually moved to LA and like, we're really good friends in LA now. So it's just been a great web of connecting people and just having these awesome relationships. And if I'm ever having a day where I'm like, I'm frustrated about being bald or someone made a comment, I can know I can always reach out to them and they'll get it and I have someone to talk to. So it's nice just to have that type of support system that it's literally been in my life for the past 25 years. Mm -hmm. Do you feel, how much weight do you put on that connection of finding your people, kind of finding people that can understand what you're going through? Oh, everything. They're like, they are some of my closest, closest friends. Um, The alopecia conference, I would say, has changed me for the better because that was the one time of year where you can look around and feel normal. There's always parts of just having alopecia where you, not that we're outcasted, but you just feel different. You feel different all the time. And it was a really interesting, I think, learning curve for me too. Because when I was 13, I boldly stopped wearing my wig and I remember going to the conferences the years, you know, years after that and being like, yeah, everyone stopped wearing their wig. It doesn't matter. Like, you know, forget people who judge you for, for, for not wearing a wig or whatever. And then I realized like some people, as I got older, some people want to wear their wigs and that's what they're most comfortable doing. And like, that is okay too. Um, And uh, in through those friendships and those relationships, I've had, you know, friends help me realize that as well, that there's a nuanced perspective on it and all of it's okay. It's just whatever you feel most comfortable doing. Mm -hmm. Um, And I can take that perspective into all aspects of my life, whether it's helping to produce shows or friendships, obviously outside of my alopecia friends. Yeah, absolutely. I love that though, that you, that maturity level that, that comes with just living your life, right. And going, Oh, okay. I get this now. It's not, you want people to feel liberated the way you felt when you decided to do that. And you can absolutely get that whether you wear hair or not. So yes. Yeah, Yeah. for sure. So what is coming up for you in the future? Let's see. I have um, a bunch of shows going. So we have season two of our show South side, which takes place on the South side of Chicago, which is very exciting. We're going to be shooting this summer and that will hopefully be out sometime next year. We're really looking forward to works busy and crazy and good. We Viacom just merged with CBS. So we have a lot of shifts just in, in, in the industry that a lot of networks are experiencing, which is exciting and wild. We're kind of seeing how the streaming wars are playing out um, and just keeping an open mind about how we're producing our content. So that's really exciting. Work takes up most of my focus, but <laughs> beyond that, just trying to enjoy life, you know, go to a, a lot of concerts. I was at Tame Impala last night. So yeah. really feeling that today. <laughs> um, and yeah, just spending time with my family. My brother actually works here with me at Comedy Central, which is really fun. And we're on Southside together. So that's been an awesome experience to be these two kids from a little small town who now work at a company like Comedy Central and somehow have a say in what's funny and set the tone for the types of shows we're going to be making, which is insane to say. I kind of pinch myself every day. It's a little surreal. And he just had a baby who's a year old now. So spending a lot of time with him. Um, My mom actually moved out here for a snowbird winter because we're from Mm -hmm. Michigan. And so she didn't want to see the snow this winter. So she's staying, she got here in December and staying through May. Just spending a lot of time with my family and working a ton and just trying to be as involved in the community as I possibly can. You know, there's a lot of crazy things going on in our world right now. So finding different ways to make an impact, whether that's through TV or helping people or just sharing my story is, uh, I think, the next steps for me. Awesome. That is fantastic. And tell me, how can people find you when they're looking for you? 
Yeah, so I'm on Instagram at Kelsey Parker, K-E-L-C-I-P-A-R-K-E-R, or on LinkedIn at Kelsey P-07. You can always reach out to me there, and I usually try to get back to people as quickly as possible. Fantastic. And I'll put all of that in the show notes, and they can reach out to you and connect. That'd be awesome. Yeah. Yeah. And thank you again for being here today with On Alopecia Life. We so appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. This was really awesome. It was good talking to you. Thank you for listening today to this episode of Alopecia Life. All of Kelsey's contact information is located in the show notes. Feel free to come on over to the Alopecia Life Facebook group to engage in conversation about this episode. Kelsey is a proud Wolverine and leads a summer speak series for Michigan students studying in LA. And she also loves concerts, traveling, working out, and taking naps under gravity blankets. So there's loads of things to chat about with Kelsey. Thanks again for listening and we'll catch you next time. Thank you for listening. Join our Alopecia Life Facebook group and find out more information at headonlifecoaching.com. The information on this podcast is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment, and is meant for general information purposes only. If you're enjoying these episodes and finding the tips helpful, please subscribe and leave a review on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you listen to and download podcasts.